Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Room, where each week, Essence and I ask each other a burning question, playing to the other's strengths, and engage in some healthy debate and discussion. And this week, hopefully, some pretty fun banter. As always, we encourage you guys to become part of the conversation, reaching out to us either through social media or emailing us at thecommonroomcouch@gmail.com. If we misspeak or misquote or misunderstand something, feel free to reach out and share your thoughts or just share your fun facts adding to what we've already said and we'll make sure to share that in future discussions. Okay. Welcome back, you guys, to our podcast. I'm Maddie. I'm Essence. And this week's episode is hashtag self-care and the squad. So we're going to be discussing the luxury of self-care and what it is, and also some of our favorite individuals in the House of Representatives. (laughs) So let's start with our weekly wrap, aka fun fact, because this has been filmed within a few days of each other. <laughs> Essence is like, oh no, I forgot a fun fact. <laughs> I mean, did you have a weekly wrap that you wanted to share instead? Um, no, because I already said the resume workshop. <laughs> that was my only weekly wrap thing. I will share last night, I think, oh, I sent you this Essence because it was right after our TikTok discussion. And I sent you, I found this art history, well, He's an artist who loves art history, who makes these really funny, I almost said vines, but they're TikToks, and they're kind of art history themed. He's from Hawaii. I was I was stalking his Instagram account because he was just so <laughs> funny, but it was really humorous because the first one I watched was, you like, tell me you're an art historian, like, tell me you like art history without telling me you like art history or something like that. And it was like me in a museum, and he was whispering like, he was a misogynist. He was racist. He hated women. Like, which is totally true. Isn't that when we've gone to museums together? I've just been like, <laughs> he was a real asshole. <laughs> that is me in museums. And so, yeah, I will post his link or like what his um, TikTok slash Instagram handle is in the description in case anyone else is interested because <laughs> I thought he had great content. <laughs> so that'll be my weekly wrap. Essence is like, my weekly wrap is Maddie sent me a Instagram DM with a guy on TikTok. <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard for me. Um, I'll share for Essence because I always come up with Essence's fun facts. Accurate. Essence started our college's college Democrat club. Do you want to expand now that I've given the very basic of yeah. music fact? <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly for a self-proclaimed liberal school, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, our like Democrat club or whatever equivalent has not active since Hillary. And they basically didn't do anything during the, that election anyways. So me and another friend just started it up and our, Wonderful Maddie was the secretary. I was the historian. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, watch your language. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It that was the position that I I I label it that way a lot of times because it sounds so much better than secretary historian. Yeah. I normally say both, his secretary slash historian, because I feel like people don't know what you mean if you say you're a historian. <laughs> Essentially, I helped, like, plan meetings, took notes during meetings, and did a lot of the, like, social media outreach. Yeah. Which I is mean, basically what I did for every club that I was <laughs> part of. They were like, we need someone to run this, the Instagram, and I was like, got you. Yeah. I mean, the club was basically, like, our friends plus a couple of randos. So. The club was basically you and me doing things and other people attending meetings occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> No offense to those who are part of the club, but I was the only, we were the only two hanging posters around campus. And so we're the only real members. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's actually get into the episode then. Essence, do you want to, you're first this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my question for this week is self-care often feels like it's a luxury for so many people. And I guess I was wondering your thoughts as to why we should take the time to practice self-care and what does it actually mean to practice self-care? Yeah, so I find I love this question first of all because I frequently tell Essence to <laughs> take care of herself and practice self-care. And I think luxury and self-care is very much certain self-care definitely is a luxury. And I think the misnomer in calling it that sometimes is self-care doesn't necessarily mean going to a spa or staying at home all day and baking. There's self-care is a lot of things and real self-care isn't, I feel like it's a lot more accessible, but the way that consumerism is so prevalent, people have really branded self-care as like buying a lot of things as spending a lot of time and money on yourself and self-care can be waking up five minutes earlier in the morning so you can not feel rushed and sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee like that can be self-care if that's what is going to make you feel better so I think it'd be interesting first to talk about um how self-care has both become like more and less accessible these days to people so the way I say it's become more accessible is the primary way people kind of talk about self-care nowadays is in relationship to your mental health. And mental health has definitely become less taboo to talk about. And so I think in those ways, encouraging people to take time for their mental health has definitely made it become much more accessible and okay to be like, hey, I need some time for my mental health. I need like some self-care. People aren't like, your mental health, what are you talking about? You know, work harder. Or people aren't afraid to say, to go to therapy if that's what their form of self-care is. Um, Yeah, I felt like going to college definitely changed that for me. Because prior, I felt like, at least the community I grew up in, like, mental health was really seen as, like, if you have, like, a severe mental illness, like, that's the only type of, like, mental health preservation or care you should try to receive. I also think... Besides it becoming like a lot of mental health services have become a lot more accessible in regard, also in addition to becoming socially acceptable, like we now see a lot of apps to try and, you know, reduce the cost or the Mm -hmm. issue of having to like drive to a therapist's office. 
And of course, this is just like one side of self-care, right? Like the mental health, health, like taking care of your mental health is just one aspect of self-care. And so I think in, in that sense, it has become a lot more accessible and socially acceptable. We have a lot more apps making it cheaper for people um, to get more consistent healthcare. We see, I am currently doing some research um, on primary care for a job I have and like telehealth. And one of those apps is specifically for um, mental health services. And so those are like actual psychiatrists and doctors, of course, who like have the ability to prescribe medication. That that being said, there is a lot of classism and racism inherently in like who has the time and resources for certain aspects of self-care, self-care. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about when you're saying it feels like a luxury for so many people, especially in the way self-care is promoted in our society as, you know, just like hashtag self-care, go buy yourself that expensive jacket you want, like hashtag self-care, like going to take off like work for the afternoon to go get a massage. And I think that's not dangerous, isn't the right word, but it makes people feel like they don't have the resources to do something as simple as self-care when if you really look at what it is like everyone can practice self-care in some way yeah i really like that link to consumerism i think it's such a good way to describe what's happening yeah and i think that's a, that's a huge part of it like it's so how easy is it to you know push like i'm using lush as a brand just because they have a lot of you know like bath bombs and face masks i'm not saying lush has done this although they probably have i just don't like follow lush religiously so i don't want to like attribute something directly to them but like to say, you know, buy yourself this $8 bath bomb because, you know, treat yourself of self-care when if you want a bath bomb, you could also probably go to Target and get a pack of like eight for $4. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just it's a like really easy way to kind of push things that aren't really necessary yeah. unless that's like the way you want to self-care. But so I think just to address like what is self-care, it's something that's supposed to bring balance to your life so you can live a healthier lifestyle and also have more energy and being the idea is kind of you know give something to yourself that so when you're working or if you're a parent taking care of children you have more it's like the whole plane analogy you know like put your face mask on or your mm-hmm. air mask. what are those called put your air mask on before you help like the person next to you and that's kind of what self-care is supposed to be you know give yourself those 10 minutes in the morning before your kids wake up to take care of yourself so that when they're up, you can be devoted to them and not feel stressed trying to get like both of you ready and have a more hectic day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think something that some examples that make it definitely feel inaccessible to a lot of people are when it's just portrayed as face masks, spa days, going and getting your nails done, getting your hair done. Um, but it's very broad and looks different for everyone. So just to give people some examples of things you could do, if those aren't the resources or time that you have to take off of work, you could take a longer bath at night and just like grab some candles from like a drugstore nearby. You could take a walk or take a hike at night if you really like being in nature to decompress Mm -hmm. or like ordering out from a restaurant once a week instead of cooking for yourself and ordering something you really like 
<laughs> but um, also, it can be something those because those are still things that you know cost money in some way or may take some extra time. So self care can also look like setting boundaries for yourself if you're really overworked and people are asking you to do things. Self care can just be saying like, I only have this much time a week to help friends, and so after this amount of time during the week, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on saying no to people. Like I'm really sorry, but I can't. Or it could be choosing to eat something healthier once a week if you're trying to change your lifestyle in that way. Or kind of what I said earlier, waking up five minutes in the making up five minutes earlier or like turning off your electronics like 30 minutes before you go to bed and journaling or just like relaxing in silence. Um, and I know I've talked to Essence a lot about this, so maybe you have something you want to add here. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're you're coughing. I didn't mean to like that was just like schedule <laughs> schedule. <laughs> I was like, of course, this is going to happen right now. I know, like, prior to us meeting, you definitely didn't take the time to, like... I remember one time Essence and I were in a coffee shop, and she was so busy. I think you might have been helping me with something already. You were already busy, and someone texted you and asked for your help, and you were like, yeah, I don't really have time to do this, but I guess if I just, like, don't eat lunch today... I can go meet with him now. And I was like, what? No, go get lunch. Like, <laughs> please eat. Don't I don't remember push- this, but it sounds like me. Yeah, no. And I think, so maybe you as someone who like definitely didn't prioritize self-care. And I didn't always like, and I and self-care isn't just, you know, not wanting to do something and be like, hashtag self-care. Like, that's not, I mean, it kind of is. If you don't <laughs> want to do something and like, you don't need to do something, like you don't have to, but like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, yeah. So I think what I've tried to be more cognizant of this year is creating spaces. And I think part of that is I never really do work inside of my room. Like I always work at a coffee shop or I work in someone else's house or in my <laughs> common room, etc. Like I never really bring where I work into my bedroom space. And I also don't really bring people into my actual bedroom space because it's like the one place where I go to bed each night. And I wake up and it's just for me. Mm-hmm. And so I've really tried to set good boundaries that way. And so I feel like like I know when I'm entering my room, that's like a place for me just to decompress from the day. It also keeps my room really clean, which is something that also, like if I'm feeling my room's not clean enough, like I'm going to take the time to clean it. And that also makes me feel better generally about everything weirdly (laughs) no I totally agree with that I also was was very similar about my room in college I think college is really difficult because your room can become a lot of things like it can become your living room it can become your bedroom if you have like a kitchen and a fridge it can become or a microwave and a fridge it can become your kitchen if you keep like your bathroom stuff in there like to get ready in the morning with like makeup or whatever like it becomes a bathroom in some ways like (laughs) I mean, obviously not in all ways, but like, you know what I mean? Like things that I like do in my bathroom here, I would have done in my dorm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like establishing that as a space is really important. And mine, most importantly for me was my bed because I went through a phase in college because I would just like watch TV in my bed. I would do homework in my bed. I would just like hang out with friends. We would all sit there. And so my biggest thing, and we'll talk about this a little bit later because I had both of us write down examples of what we do in case anyone is looking for some and there's also um a link in the description to some more things as well but like mine was sleep and 
it was really important to me to have a very consistent like sleep routine of like I don't go in my bed unless I'm going to sleep and Mm -hmm. that became my like number one thing and um like getting making sure I got seven or eight hours of sleep a night like if I didn't I was like non-functioning the next day um and so yeah I think those are both really good examples because I think for people who question whether or not they have enough time self-care isn't necessarily something you like do once it's kind of like a habit you have to remind yourself especially if you're not used to like making time for yourself I also feel like it's easier to do it as a group like it's so much more fun to like cook with your friends like once a week and like oh yeah that's such a good idea Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think like that can be a thing too you know like especially if you're really busy and you don't have time to watch tv but you find tv really relaxing finding an hour or two a week to just sit down and like decompress from the tv or like have friends over and cook those are also examples of self-care which like you may not even realize you're doing Mm -hmm. but like I think another really important aspect of self-care is if you're gonna do it don't feel like guilty about it a because you deserve to take care of yourself but also b that just like adds stress in a different way like don't do something that's going to add stress on you in another way if spending additional money is too hard for you and is actually going to cause you more stress in the long run that's probably not a good idea for your self-care or like if you lack a lot of time in the week don't do something that's gonna don't go on a four-hour hike once a week like that's just gonna stress you out when you're when you're on the hike you're gonna be like oh my god I have so much to do when I get back and when you're about to go on the hike you're gonna be like oh god I don't have time to go on this hike like I have so much else to do I when you get back you're gonna feel bad you really have to figure out like what works for you and your lifestyle And I think that kind of leads into discussion of, like, why self-care is important, like, why we should make some time for it. And so some of the main things that come out of, like, allowing yourself some bit of self-care, one is stress management, which, I mean, especially if you choose, like, exercising, meditation, um, like, yoga, as, as like your form of stress care, your form of self-care, those are definitely things that are going to help, you know, really, I know a lot of people who like their New Year's resolution is meditating for five minutes a day. And they say like even five minutes of meditation a day can be huge for your mental health and like your stress management. Um, it's supposed to bring balance to your life. If you're, con- if you're a parent constantly giving everything you have to your kids and to your job to give yourself a little bit it may be just a little bit of balance but balance nonetheless (laughs) um and then just recharging your overall happiness and health again kind of choosing like like how we mentioned before if your form of self-care is just going to be taking the time to go grocery shopping or like meal prepping you know to Mm -hmm work towards like some health goals you have those are going to be things that are going to help you feel better in the long run um and another thing I really wanted to mention because we kind of talked about the consumerism of this before but how self-care is kind of a huge marketing strategy for businesses you know eat out treat yourself retail therapy buy a yoga membership to feel better one thing I did want to point out is there are a ton of free resources on YouTube if I because I do a lot of yoga and yoga memberships can be expensive, like really expensive. Um, 
if you have back pain and you look up yoga for back pain, hundreds of videos are going to pop up of different lengths and styles. If you just want 30 minutes, you can look up 30 minute yoga and you'll get a lot of free resources. And so that, and that's going to be the case with a lot of things. Like if you want to do like hit workouts or if you want someone to lead you through a guided meditation, you can find a lot of that stuff on YouTube. And so definitely don't feel like you need to go and spend a lot of money if those are your goals. So one thing I think Essence and I both wanted to talk about in, cause you mentioned it specifically in your question, but the luxury of self of self-care and you and I have talked a little bit about how the pandemic really brought some mm-hmm. of the inequality in self-care to light because we saw so many trends of people got who got into bread baking, exercising, crafting, going on long hikes, um, yeah. and people who were forced to work in very dangerous situations because they couldn't afford to not work, let alone take the time to break, I said break bread, bake bread. Um, and so, I mean, I, I know I have a little bit of stuff to say. Do you want to go first? Yeah. And I also think like not even just not having like the time or like just not being able to be home because of your job, but also just like being crammed inside a really small house, for example, mm-hmm. like kind of makes it impossible for you to like take the time or now if you're like juggling both watching your kids and going to work over zoom like how do you balance all of that but then you're trapped inside the house with the same people all the time yeah and I think I read a really interesting article which is also going to be in today's resources and the opening line really talks about how the people who really need self-care are the least likely to have the time and the means to get it Mm mm-hmm And I really, I mean, that really spoke to me. And she was talking about, I guess her mother is from Bangladesh and refused to take medicine for prolonged periods of time because her mom said, like, she didn't like how it made her feel, but her daughter said, because if she became too dependent on being happy on those medications, that she would have been forced to continue to buy it. And it was expensive medication. And I think that's something that people often don't think about when they're thinking about just very basic forms of self-care, right? Like buying the medication you need sometimes, um, which are choices that some people have to make. Yeah. I also feel like it's kind of the difference between like living on survival mode in some way. And then like, I feel like self-care is often like one like pyramid step above like survival. Like it's figuring out which things make you happy and which like replenish you yeah. and then doing those things so that you can be like your best self but I often feel like people who like deserve to take the most time for self-care are often just figuring out like how do I like make rent and like go to my job every day and make sure my kids are like okay and that there's food on the table and like that's their end of the day goal and then by the time they go to bed like they're exhausted yeah and I think that's kind of like why I try to come up with a few ideas for people, like giving yourself an additional five morning, five minutes in the morning to get ready. Mm-hmm. Like that may seem like something so little to some people, but I mean, I have to be at work sometimes at 8 a.m. and waking up just a little bit earlier so I don't even feel rushed because then, I mean, you're feeling rushed so you 
forget things at home. You're sitting in traffic stressed the whole time. Like instead of having an additional five minutes just to kind of like chill out, Mm -hmm. those are things that are going to impact the rest of your day, even though it's just five minutes, which may not cost you any sort of money, except for maybe like a couple of additional minutes of sleep. But hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we can be at a place where five minutes of sleep doesn't matter too much. Um, but yeah, it's definitely so much easier for those from a wealthier background to find both the time and funds to decide to, I mean, there are just so many things like, and I think we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the Kardashians who post videos of themselves in ads. I think kind of what blows my mind sometimes about influencers or celebrities who have a lot of, or celebrities who have a lot of money is also the fact that companies who do things like facials will give them free facials to advertise other people to come pay for facials and I mean sometimes I just think of how kind of counterintuitive that is like the people who have the time and money to go get a facial are getting free ones so that the rest of us can go and like get more (laughs) yeah right like or here like yeah, just go get laser hair removal. It's the best thing I ever did. Sure, it costs $2,000, but you never have to shave again. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of, um, to me, it really stands out, especially when it comes into the wealth bracket and like status of mm-hmm. influencers and like celebrities. But so I guess just to close out this conversation before we go over to our favorite little squad, I said little, but they're they're a big presence. Um, I I wanted Essence and I just to give a list of some things. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit that we do that will maybe inspire you guys if you all are looking for things to do and maybe have looked on a couple lists and don't really find something that stands out to you. But so for me, I've kind of talked about prioritizing sleep and yoga. I really love candles and the ambiance of that. So sometimes I'll just light them while I'm doing other work and it makes me feel a lot more at ease. I occasionally dance to Taylor Swift. I've made it a goal to bring her up as many times as I can. (laughs) Um, I go outside with my dogs or I'll just like sit down sometimes in the silence and just like focus on like petting them. And that will like, if I'm really stressed, get me out of my head. And occasionally, especially because like I have celiac, so it's difficult for me to eat out. I'll like make an effort to get something that from somewhere I know it's safe for me to eat. I like those. Um, mine are not as cool, but <laughs> um, I've been I've been fo- I've been practicing self care a lot longer. I've been forcing you to start with just you know getting an adequate amount of sleep. So I don't I don't blame you for your list not being quite as extensive. Yeah, I mean I I can't lie and say the sleep one has gotten better, but I've added other good things to my list to compensate. <sighs> <laughs> um, so I make sure that. I eat out with, like, friends at least once a week, whether that be, like, getting coffee or, like, ordering, I guess now ordering in and then eating somewhere else, like, the common room or something. Um, I also feel like because of the location, I'm able to walk everywhere, and I actually really value, like, having my headphones in and, like, walking to, like, my next class or, like, to the coffee shop, etc. And I feel like wherever I end up living, like, being able to be in walking distance of everything is actually super beneficial and recharges me to the next meeting. Um, I also really love night showers, like, especially because 
there's just no one up at that time and oh, just yeah really you're quiet. up a lot later than I am at first I was like oh yeah for sure I'm gonna now try work out and then I was like no 3 a.m night showers are different than 9 p.m night showers <laughs> okay I also feel like showers for some reason like it's the space where I have the best ideas sometimes oh yeah if I'm like writing an essay or like I feel I need an inspiration I feel like we have to tell the story of I actually had the idea for this podcast <laughs> while I was in the shower and I came out and like voice memoed it to Essence. Like, I was like, listen, I've had this idea. It's called the common room couch. We sit down and we each ask each other a question. And then I sent her the voice memo and you were just like, I love this. And from there we were born. But yes, best idea is shower 100%. Yeah. And so that's, that's probably my favorite one. And I guess the last one is I always... It's weird. Like, I take a lot of value in making my own coffee, but I also promise myself to, like, just get up earlier one day and, like, do work and get coffee, like, somewhere else. I agree. I think, like, especially in college, treating myself – well, it also wasn't safe for me to get a lot of the coffee in the dining hall, Mm -hmm. but, um, like, treating myself to a coffee in the coffee shop, like, waking up early, getting something that was – I mean, the coffee shop there is expensive. (laughs) And but sitting down and then like doing work for three hours, it made it so much nicer than having just like sit in my room all morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love that discussion. More fun discussions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so now it's time for my question, which actually the first time I really really heard about AOC was when I asked you about your shirt that you had freshman year. Oh yeah, I forgot about that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and so I thought you would enjoy this. Um, but so my question for this week is, and obviously to those listening, I know the answer to this question. This is just a prompt, <laughs> but so who's in Congress's the squad? What are some of their accomplishments are having these groups dangerous to the democratic party? Meaning the fact that we've seen a lot of the Republican party kind of weaponize them in order to induce fear or incite fear. Um, I hope that makes sense, but I can elaborate a little bit more if you'd like. No, it makes a lot of sense, but it's actually a really great connection because I think they've done a lot of important work of trying to, one, make being lawmakers more normal, but also like show that they're still figuring out how to be congresswomen. And self-care is such an important part, especially when they're facing so many attacks from people on both sides of the aisle. And so I'm sure many people have seen like AOC's wine and cooking dinner on Friday nights. Like they've started group chats with each other to figure out like how to basically buy clothes on a budget, but still loved that Twitter thread. I was actually going to bring that up, but I I didn't know if you were going to include it in this conversation, but I thought that was one of the most heartwarming things I had seen in a while that like so many women rallied behind. And didn't that like really nice designer also was like, hey, what do you want to wear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember reading through the thread. It it's like moments like those I really feel a lot of hope for mm-hmm. our country, I guess if that makes sense. And I think it also like beyond politics, as someone who I felt like just kind of got launched into like honestly like kind of white rich spaces spaces all of a sudden like thinking about what clothes you're gonna wear while arguing in front of congress like is not a thought that most people have to have but Mm -hmm. like they did and then their response wasn't to like handle it alone but more to like reach out to people and like create a community within congress and i I think that's what's really special about the relationship 
and but also, also oh, sorry. oh go ahead oh no I was also gonna say just and also normalize like thrifting mm-hmm. you know what I mean like had maybe Cory Bush not like made originally tweeted about that and had so many people come out and say like oh I go to thrift shops here oh have you looked at like you know rent the runway or like I find most of my stuff here like I'll grab you one next time I'm there I think that created a lot of solidarity where had she perhaps felt too ashamed isn't the right word but just felt like it wasn't appropriate to tweet something Mm -hmm. like that and then maybe felt bad or like not um like she didn't belong what's the word I want felt like an outsider because she felt Mm -hmm. like she needed to thrift and so I loved I loved that conversation yeah so maybe just like a more formal like if you have no clue what we've just been talking about for the past four um yeah so the squad uh is basically the group of progressive house members that were elected in 2018 and are known for many reasons but I think number one they're like considered the radical by some but support policies like (laughs) universal health care green new deal like small things like radical things (laughs) oh I love how you said small things like that at the same time I was like radical ideas (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the original squad is AOC um Ayanna Presley Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and more recently with this round of elections Cori Bush and Jamal Bowman have been adopted into the squad and I didn't know that was kind of like officially adopted I love that that the squad is expanding well they released a picture um when they were sworn in of all of them masked standing together and um they posted squad up and it was all of them (gasps) I love it (laughs) yeah um sorry that makes me really happy yeah, I think, well, one, the first original squad was all women of color, which mm-hmm. is, one, the representation of both women and women of color in Congress. Yeah. It's pretty dismal, like, probably the worst among any profession in the United States, um, and globally, really, but the United States is one of the worst for both. Um, and I think they symbolize a lot of things. One, I think they symbolize, one, that there's progressive power out there and that not only is like progressive change possible but the people who can lead these movements have and always will be people of marginalized from marginalized communities um and so I think AOC and Ina Presley well all of them really challenged incumbents but those two kind of I think launched into the forefront because they beat incumbents that were in office for so long and they not only like beat them but they launched like these really like okay I hate the word radical because they've just taken it from us but these really new ways to connect with I was gonna say progressive ideas but oh yeah yeah. I mean I'm not talking about their ideas no I just mean like really kind of like forward thinking like Mm -hmm. progressive in that way not You know, not only did they launch progressive ideas, but I think their way of connecting with voters was in an entirely different way than we've seen in the last 10 years. Like they leverage social media all the time. They directly reach out to voters like AOC shows pictures of her shoes from like knocking on people's doors. And I think that's something that both the Democratic Party takes for granted, but also just general electoral politics is they went back to the grassroots and we're able to win that way. I think something I also really like about them, and I've tried to explain to people as well, is 
A, so there's two things. The first is a lot of their backgrounds. Not all of them. I know AOC for sure. She was a bartender. But the fact that they're not necessarily from, you know, like political powerhouse families or like wealthier families in general. I think, A, that's really important because um, if we think about the population of America, I mean, obviously, as a representative, you're representing your district. But just in general, I don't really understand. A lot of people use that as a reason to look down on her, like make kind of like snide Mm -hmm. remarks that she was a bartender. But think of how many bartenders there are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Should they not be represented in some capacity? Like, it's really great that there's someone who worked in that really difficult. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm working in right now at a clothing store part time just because I enjoy the store. And I'm on my feet for five. I can't imagine what she was doing. Like, I've never been a bartender, but like, that's it's not easy work. Mm-hmm. And so I think having someone from the background is really important, really impressive. And I love that about her and that she's really open. She's not like ashamed of it in any capacity. She's proud of the fact. Um, And the other thing I really love about all of them are, is their confidence and how they present themselves and how they're not afraid. I'm not sure how their average age of the group like compares to the general house of representative statistics. That's okay. I thought they were all younger, but I didn't want to make that assumption. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important point. And I also think it's not only are they confident, but they're very much willing to not only call out injustice, both like nationally, but also like the amount of injustice and discrimination that they're facing every single day being on the house. And I think during quarantine, like we all saw that moment when AOC was accosted on the steps. And yeah. then the person that did it blatantly lied. And even though a reporter was there to catch it all. And then for him to later say, like, I'm a family man, like, I, I, have, a, I have a daughter, like, that makes that okay. <laughs> and yeah, and I think one, she called out how ridiculous, and one, that he was a liar. Yeah. And like, two, that, yeah, and she's someone's daughter, too. Yeah. And like, she deserves the respect because, one, she's a human being, and also because she's fighting every single day for progressive policy for people that are constantly facing marginalization every single day. And especially during the pandemic. Like I, I believe that whole thing was starting because she was pointing out that poverty was causing an increasing crime because people were stealing for like bread because they yes. didn't have food. I think something that AOC said that I found really enlightening was that every and i can't remember i'm gonna summarize it poorly i think it was in that um was it vogue that she did a photo shoot for who's the big magazine Um, vanity fair and vogue i think okay it was in one of those interviews where she was talking about how like every two or four years the republicans choose a new woman to like make the face of the villainy of the democratic party it was nancy pelosi it was elizabeth warren it was hillary in 2016 obviously and this year it was definitely in a lot of ways aoc i mean the fact that in the georgia um attack ads down here they have video of aoc saying mm-hmm. like talking about the senate races like that just goes to show how a not only like well-known she is but how the republicans have really like and that's kind of what i talked about before like weaponize them to incite fear amongst their base Mm -hmm. and i think one i think that shows and also the ways that they're doing right it's such a dog whistle like all of their attack ads are somehow racially coded in so many different ways i was going to ask you how much you think i mean okay obviously it's both 
But so like how much of this do you think is racism and how much of it is sexism? I think it's both. I think I think they use it in different ways, right? Like I think for example, um it was rumored that a Trump official purposely told like Trump when attacking like the squad to purposely attack um Omar and Talib because they're both Muslims and uh, mm. use language like that they hate Israel and they hate Jewish people and then said like you should telling uh prime minister I can never say his name the prime minister I'll just say the prime minister of Israel to like ban them from coming to the country which he did do in response to Trump saying that and I think they use it for different reasons and I think one like it's a bit of age-old strategy for the Republican Party to use race as a way to split up demographics. Like, let's not focus on issues of poverty. Like, let's just blame it on one group of people like immigrants or increased Black people and women in the workforce to the reason why you're not able to have a job right now. And yeah. instead of, like, dealing with problems in that way, like, let's just find a way to divide these groups. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how the Republican Party has used both, like, their race... Uh, countries of origin like anything that's an otherism to them just use it in different ways to leverage different policies that they want to pass or different beliefs that they want to make seem like they're radical or devilish in some way if you have an opinion on it why do you think the republican party is so much better at attack ads than the democratic party is i think one because they're willing to go so much further than we are so like for example like the Southern strategy, which basically created, like, the crack mom and crack baby. Like, all of those arguments about welfare and, like, Black people loving crack. Like, they have been doing that since Nixon. And, like, been okay with that. <laughs> like, totally cool. been, yeah, cool. totally been okay with that. And then so much so that, like, after Republicans did that and, like, got this a bunch of war on drug policies, like, not only did that, but then were able to convince Democrats to start, like, being hard on crime. Which means they just supported mm. the same policies that Republicans did. Mm. And I think, like, one, they've just been using it for a lot longer and are able to do that. And second, I think their demographics are totally different. Like, as the Democratic Party is evolving, we're seeing, like, a lot of educated people. Yeah. We're seeing, um, like, college-educated people. We're seeing a more racially diverse group. Whereas the Republican Party racial demographics don't look like that and even the people mm-hmm. that voted for trump are white working class people yeah and if you give the narrative of like an immigrant's taking your job or like instead of a company is deciding to ship off to companies with easier or laxer labor laws mm-hmm. and get mad at your company instead instead get mad at the immigrants who live right. who or like the fact mostly- that like automation's a thing and your job no longer exists yeah and that's a lot of bs but whatever do you think and this is again can be just for us um do you think that if a democratic candidate ran a i'm just gonna say like a republican equal attack ad do you think that would actually put off more democrats than it would attract like maybe moderates because i I think i don't like seeing attack ads i mean i get them but you know what I mean? Like, when I see attack ads against Democrats, I'm just, like, more disgusted. But maybe that's because I'm already a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So I think, I guess, it'd be how we're classifying attack ads. Like, I think what makes people react so, like, 
so much more to AOC's language than some of the other members of the squad. And even, like, Talib and um, Omar, like, I think that they have, like, they way much, they critique capitalism in a much harsher way than anyone that's in Congress. Like, and the two new people that are coming, like, actively say that capitalism is, like, basically modern day slavery like mm-hmm. and if we're calling an attack at something like that i think i think that would turn a lot of democrats away and i think it's partially why nancy pelosi rebukes the squad in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. they're pointing out that the same institutions that are marginalizing people like capitalism big companies are also like the democratic party in so many different ways and i think like that's too threatening to these old institutions and i know you touched on this a little bit i can't remember what episode we mentioned it in but something that's always, I can't remember what I was reading, but it was it was saying something along the lines of, you know, AOC and Joe Biden in any other country would be in two different parties. Mm-hmm. And same with some conservatives that we see. Like, I mean, I'm not exactly sure about all of, like, John McCain or, oh, shit. Like Mitt Romney versus Donald Trump. Mitt Romney is, sorry. That's what literally the name I was trying to think of. Um, they would be in two different parties. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, though, like, if we made democratic socialists one party and democratic, I don't know what we would call the other ones, right? Into two parties, the Republicans would win. And they didn't separate. They would win every election just because of like division of votes, right? Like if there were two candidates, one for each of the two democratic parties and one Republican candidate, like Mm -hmm. the way the votes would be split. So it's like, it wouldn't make sense, but at the same time, it's like, how did we get to this place? If that makes sense. I think, one, it would work favoring choice voting, right? Like, that's the whole point of it, is to have, or to allow people that are third parties to have almost an equivalent chance. Because right now, it's like, whoever gets 50% of the vote, and if, like, 10 people vote, like, it's not really that big of a deal. And we have such low voter turnout. But I think, so one, I think ranked choice voting would fix that. And secondly, Mm. I think if we had three parties... Like, the Democratic Party very much mirrors the old Republican Party before Trump, like, in a lot of different ways. Like, there's not any extremely radical policies in the Democratic platform. Like, tax rates around the same. Like, I guess abortion is, like, a wedge issue and maybe some gun rights. But I guarantee you, if most Democrats don't actually have really strong opinions on gun rights. So, it would be pretty similar. Interesting. So, I think... I guess I'm just more, like... Obviously, I feel like, you know, people in the squad, if that that was just one party, that they would have much stronger. They would they would have something that's different than pre-Trump Democratic Party. Does that make sense? Or Republican Party. I'm not exactly sure. Think before Bernie Sanders and Occupy Wall Street in 2008. Like, we didn't, we didn't even have language to, like, describe the 99% versus the 1%. So, like, in the 10 years, 12 years that we've had, like, this language of extreme economic inequality, like, we've been able to propose ideas like universal basic income, universal health care. We've pointed out that there is a problem with amassing wealth in a small concentration of people. Like, and I think that's a lot of progress in just 10 years, which to someone that, like, wants progress right now, that's so slow. Yeah. But I think it's showing... But it's not matching what's going on, right? Like, 
we're seeing that there's been an increase in support for policies like universal health care. Like it has a lot of support publicly, like in polling. But we're not seeing that actually playing out in electoral politics. We're seeing we're actually reverting towards the middle. And before Trump, I would say both parties were reverting towards the middle. Do you think if in Elizabeth Warren, I mean, I'm just naming people who ran in the Democratic Party, and Andrew Yang, a Pete Buttigieg, had been the Democratic nominee in place of Joe Biden, they still would have won the election. I feel like Joe Biden was neutral enough that prior Trump supporters or like conservatives or maybe people who didn't vote in the first election but wouldn't have voted for someone maybe like a Bernie felt comfortable voting for Joe. I feel like that's kind of, that was my first night opinion watching things like, because I thought he was going to sweep by a lot more than he did, I guess. So maybe that's why. Who, Joe Biden? Yeah. I mean, he got the most votes of anyone ever. No, yeah. But I also thought like North Carolina and Florida were going to flip. Yeah. But even though they didn't flip, Extremely high turnout, especially after the last four years. I think, so I think to your other, like, point, though, there's, like, this argument that, like, a Bernie Sanders, like, so I'm not including Pete Buttigieg because he basically is Joe Biden, but 30 years younger, like, (laughs) (laughs) policy-wise. Actually, more than 30 years, like, 50 years younger. But, yeah, I guess I I mean, like, kind of all of that. I feel like, to the person who maybe voted for Trump, like, Joe Biden seemed like a very safe, like, I'm not going to vote conservative or Republican. And I feel okay voting for Joe Biden because it's Joe Biden. You know what I mean? He's old he's and, like... the Republican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if they're thinking of that, but, like, I mean, they, he, they're not thinking, like, AOC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's safe. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's this argument, though, about, like, if... Maybe if, like, the Democrats, like, full-sended into, like, a fully radical platform, like, Bernie Sanders or something, if we had, like, full-sended into a fully, like, socially, a social Democrat, then we, like, maybe would have had increased voter turnout enough to, like, beat, and maybe, like, I, I wish I subscribed to this because I think people don't come out for marginalized communities because there's something they come out for. Like, why am I going to vote for Joe Biden when he thinks, like, marijuana is a gateway drug and we shouldn't decriminalize it like this is obviously a really hopeful segment i feel like in general if you share these ideals or hope to see a more you don't even have to necessarily agree with how progressive and quote radical some of these some of what they stand for is are what the heck i don't really know where that sentence goes but anyway (laughs) like you know if you hope to see more people of color from, you know, more like disenfranchised isn't necessarily the word I want, but you know what I mean? Lower income backgrounds. Um, I think this whole segment has been kind of hopeful, but is there anything else in trends that you maybe want to touch on in the future? Yeah, I think one, the squad represents both a changing like political landscape, like people who are ordinary or like normal humans are able to run for office and I think like they're a huge like they should be inspirational to anyone that wants to run because whatever experience that you have is probably more relevant than like the political dynasty of someone who probably never ever had to buy milk for themselves before and I think that they show that your experience is important 
and you can definitely advocate for your community and whether that's running for congress or like being a community organizer or like you do it in your workplace or whatever i think that like just the way that they wield their power and like one acknowledge that they have power and clearly so much power that republicans are scared of a freshman congressman congressman it shows that like marginalized people can be powerful no matter what environment they're in and I think for me I'm super hopeful that more people will start challenging these incumbents who aren't servicing their communities Mm -hmm. and also just challenging like the same old politics in which like we're refusing to acknowledge things like climate change like student debt um, racial injustice etc and demanding that there's more progressive policy and I think that are a sign that all of that can happen. I think what you all, what you kind of summarized right there, first of all, I don't want to, that was like incredibly well done. So I'm not trying to minimize that by adding anything, but it kind of reminded me, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but there was, I'm pretty sure it was the town hall, the second debate with Joe Biden, when they were kind of talking to him and he said, well, you know, like in my town, you either became a police officer or a firefighter or a preacher. And I didn't want to be any of those three. And I know it was supposed to be a story of, like, kind of, you know, the roots he came from. And so, like, he went to public service. But I remember hearing that and being like, is that a good reason to go into politics? Like, well, I don't want to do any of the other three things I can do here, so I'll go into politics. That's classic Joe Biden, though. Yeah, but but I think kind of what you were saying there about, you know, people who are really trying to service their communities. Like, they weren't born into a political dynasty. They weren't like, well, I don't want to be a bartender, so I guess I'll go be a politician and you know, do what I can, like, AOC made an active choice to not only run in her district, but then not forget who she, who voted for her, and really stand up. I mean, I know multiple times in tweets, she's referenced, you know, like, how hard the people she worked with worked. Well, that was a lot of saying worked. And then when she got to Congress, like, paid them a living wage. Yeah, exactly. And, like, remember the fact that when you know, it's kind of crazy. She gets, we talked about self-care in the beginning of this episode. Remember she got a haircut for $300 mm-hmm. and like people blew the heck up. And listen, I get highlights. Highlights are expensive. Like if they girl- responded, like the real problem is that like we spend like X amount of money on, or Republicans spend like X amount of money on like a, a like a house barber for themselves. How, how about how many taxpayer dollars paid for Donald Trump to go and golf, like, for the past four years, like, and we're gonna get mad about AOC spending $300 of her own paycheck on a haircut, like, it's just, it's just ridiculous, like, I love, did you see the tweet where it was, like, the Senate got paid $130,000 to debate for six months whether or not you deserve six hundred? dollars like, and I think that's something that, you know, the squad and its members, don't take for granted and i i really appreciate that and i i really like that about them mm-hmm. <laughs> grassroots baby <laughs> signing off <laughs> um anyway that's all for this episode we really hope you guys enjoyed it please reach out to us especially you know i i think this was one of our first episodes that was a little less lecture based and a little more conversational. And so definitely give us your feedback if that's something you enjoyed and want to see more of, or if you like the lecture format a little bit more, um, you can reach out to us on any of our social media. You can email us at the common room couch at gmail.com. Look out for our next episode, which is 
the VP and rom-coms, where we're going to be talking about vice presidents and romantic comedies. Yeah, thank you guys. See you next time.